This afternoon, we've got podcast 51. We've got Hugo Tripp from Safe Trip calling in all the way from Bremen, Germany. And we're going to talk a little bit about European and North American rescue influences, about some of the standards and some of the training and equipment they use in the German fire service. We're going to talk a little bit about standards that govern uh, both private and public rescue teams in Germany. And we're going to delve in and out on a little bit of equipment and a little bit about Grimp Day. So here we go, number 51. So on the podcast for this time, we've got Hugo Tripp all the way calling in from Germany. How you doing, Hugo? Yeah, I'm very well. I had a relaxing Sunday after a full week of uh, workshop and insanity. Um, yeah, recovered pretty well. Right, Thanks for calling. Um, so for the, our listeners that don't know you, why don't you just give a little blurb about yourself, your background, where you're located, the company you own, that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, my name is Hugo Tripp. I'm a rope rescue technician, uh, instructor. Uh, I hold FISAT Level 2 license, which is the German rope access qualification. Um, Back in 2016, I founded my company, Safe Trip, and with that company, we do specialized training for working at heights industry, um, a lot of wind energy, lots of fire department, um, yeah, all the stuff that uh, sounds fun. I'm located in, in, sorry? Sorry, the company was called? It's a Safe Trip. And how can guys find you or girls find you if they want to, like, what's your website or... You can check my website, which is www.safetrip with double p dot de for Germany, um, or Instagram, just safe trip, also double p, Facebook, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and so whereabouts are you located now in Germany? I'm in the northern region, which is the city of Bremen, very nice ancient town. Um, whenever you come to Germany, give it a visit. It's one hour from Hamburg. Um, yeah. Nice area. Right on. And um, as you mentioned some stuff there, some curiosity, what we're chatting about today is some of the influences that Europeans have put into North American rescue and some of the influences that you've seen from North America now into European rescue. But chat with you a little bit about being a safety officer at Grimp, some rescue the rescuer in Europe, some pre-configured rescue systems and some concepts or ideas around that. Maybe have a quick blurb about ITRA. And I've also thrown down wind energy and fire department on here because I want to hit a couple tangents into there. So I guess to start, you've been a safety officer at Grimp for a couple years now? Uh, that was uh, one year, actually, one the last. Um, yeah, we, we uh, came to a point where um, I, I helped Courant as main sponsor the other year. And... Um, we were talking about uh, all the organizational stuff around um, there. Um, for the listeners out there who don't know, the Grimp Day is organized by the fire department of Namur and Courant. And um, before that, Petzl was not organizing it. Uh, they were just the main sponsors. But um, yeah, some some uh, interest of the manufacturer to, to go into the safety uh, stuff is for sure. Um, you, you can't afford to have an accident there. And uh, you have been there for a couple of years and seen pretty nasty stuff on, on rope techniques, uh, safety-wise. Um, 
So we came to the conclusion that uh, maybe it's a good idea to have some um, external eyes looking at the safety of the setups um, as independent um, pair of eyes. Um, yeah, two years ago, I made a report on, on the things I observed there. Um, and then the, the Grim Day Organizational Committee said, yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, we need a team of safety officers. And um, five of us were observing all the, uh, the things uh, that were going around last year on Grim Day. Yeah. Okay, so with that, you've obviously been able to see I mean, there's Asian teams there, North American teams, European teams, and even across Europe for the folks that are listening that probably don't have as much experience working with European teams. There's a vast difference in Europe as well as far as rigging goes. So how oh, yeah. did you decide what to choose? What did you decide were going to be some of the main points that were going to be adhered to during the competition? Oh, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, as as you know, um, we are talking about European systems, and um, to be honest, there are no European systems. We have French influence systems. We have um, the, maybe the more German redundancy uh, systems. We have uh, English systems, which is also pretty robust, um, and then it's it's hard to say what is what is uh, the, the main main uh, influence in European rescue systems. But in general, um, we go with the two-rope system, um, two points of contact, uh, except from the stuff that uh, the Grimta Organization and Committee uh, says it's okay to have one point, like steel carabiners and double pulleys, you know. Um, and, yeah, how to decide what is safe and what not um, really depends on logic and um yeah you have been there quite a few years and uh, you took a lot of pictures or seen a lot of pictures on facebook and instagram or whatever um it's it's pretty hard to determine a safe system or not but uh, the third pair of eyes could help with that um the main issue we have there is that um the the referees are um you know, the, the people who give the points, at least, uh, they are mainly French-influenced people and maybe sometimes don't understand the rigging of other com uh, countries' teams. Um, and this is what we could also provide, is the, the international viewpoint. Um, yeah, pretty interesting. Um, we found a lot of things. We made a report on that. Um, I emailed that to you and some other people as well for uh, yeah, seeing what's, what's going on there. Um, unfortunately for, for that year, um, Grim Day was postponed, so we couldn't go into the next iteration with you as well as safety officer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting task to walk around, walk behind the barriers and look at the systems, talk to the teams, and also give direct feedback. And this is something that the observers and the, the directors did not do last year, um, except from us independent safety officers. We talked to the teams and gave them feedback on their systems. Okay. Um, I know Jay Shen down at uh, Chow in Taiwan. He was, I mean, and that's obviously been changed this year because of COVID. 
But the initial idea was to have the controller show up to a controller school, for lack of a better oh, yeah. word, prior to the event so that, you know, left and rights of arc or scope were outlined as to what was usable and what was allowed and what wasn't. Do you think that's a good idea or do you think that's something that would fly in Europe or? Oh, absolutely. Um, that would definitely help with the go or no go systems. You know, there's not black and white. There's safe or unsafe and there's efficient and non-efficient. Um, and you have to walk on this thin line um, and at least make safe uh, systems. Um, it would help to have an introduction, maybe even via um, online call um, or video call and, and give them the presentation on good rigging and bad rigging, um, safe and unsafe situations to give the controllers the, um, like, like yeah, a, a guideline for uh, determining uh, a good system or not. Right on. Would help. Now, did you, have you seen a lot of systems change over the years where you see, you know, some North American influence come into some of the European rigging or vice versa, some European influence into the North American rigging? Uh, and can uh, that, you give an example? Yeah, sure. Um, I was so happy last year that um, the Taiwanese team actually won because they, they made an excellent rigging. Uh, we took a lot of pictures of good examples of how they rigged. And this is, was so, um, it was modern rigging, you know, intelligent solutions uh, you wouldn't find on, on traditional teams. Um, teams that compete internationally see a lot of things and, and can choose the best options they can, uh, they can choose. Um, yeah, in, in the last years, especially the Asian teams um, developed a lot. Um, you change your systems um, as Canadians. Um, I've seen a lot of your uh, older pictures with uh, like old school NFPA stuff <laughs> that I've also experienced uh, in, in a CMC class two years ago in Las Vegas. Uh, it, yeah, th this, this old school stuff is still seen out there, but it's, it's changing and moving in, in a good direction. Um, you went, for example, very lightweight last year with the thinnest slings I've ever seen in a grim day. <laughs> so, some Edge Pro around it. Um, then there are um, like the, the German teams pretty pretty amazing how, how uh, they behave and the command structures and the, um, even the, yeah, just the sports aspect of that. Um, I struggle a little bit with the French influence teams, to be honest, because uh, their changing is slower. Um, some teams have like a military approach and command structure. Um, but their understanding of two rope systems is sometimes nothing um, we as Germans or you as Americans are familiar with. But in general, yeah, there's a change to modern rigging, as I would call it, like international modern rigging. Okay. Now, do you think that that's for the better? Like you talk about you went to a CMC school in Las Vegas, and I mean, it's no slight here, please, against CMC. Uh, they teach an NFPA style program, very similar to what I grew up with. Now, do you see, 
is that good enough or are you of the opinion that people need to progress and move forward with some of the newer techniques that are coming on the market another interesting uh, <laughs> pointy question um i i was very impressed on, on the nfpa approach um within five days we learned to solve a problem with ropes and uh, i like that it was it was um maybe old school with the rack bars and uh, nowadays we can call MPDs also old school <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it was uh, it was not only about the rigging it was also about the approach to a rescue and the command structure and and uh, how you create a team and that was pretty impressive and uh, if you have like a, a base for for a country to work on in terms of rigging, um, you can take a firefighter from, let's say, Las Vegas and send him to New York and uh, yeah, they can rig. Um, that is different in Germany. We have um, an, <laughs> a very old school system, um, very open to how to solve a system. Um, we have in, in the fire school in Heiratsberge, which is near Magdeburg, um, they, they teach not um, a specific system they teach options and then the team leaders and uh, instructors are left alone with their uh, way of creating a good system within their department with their demand um, their rope length their devices whatever so um, i think this cmc approach is pretty good to roll out a nationwide program the um. reason to go Go ahead, sorry. To a modern system. Yeah, the reason to go to a modern system, um, no matter which way, um, is to be more flexible, but mainly be on the safer side. Um, for example, we teach a lot of uh, industrial fire departments that have um, several tasks, like um, all the, the dangerous good stuff, um, hazmat, as you call it. Um, all the other specific tasks like uh, refineries or chemical plants and with all the tasks they also have to be uh, good in rope rescue or high angle rescue so we um we, we removed the knots actually from the systems um <laughs> to say yeah we have a rescue system out of the back knotless efficient like within within uh, maestro um out of the bag, have two of them, twin tensioned, do whatever you want. And actually, and to be honest, I'm not missing any flexibility with limiting um, the system. Uh, and that is, that is another approach to, to uh, modern rigging. Doesn't matter if you use knots or not. Um, also, nice words again. Uh, um, it's it's pretty amazing to go down this road to make rescue simpler and not the the complex way. Yeah. So when you talk about a knotless system, you're talking like a pre-configured rescue system. Are you using sewn terminations then? Yeah. Okay. And so you're saying it's pre-rigged in the bag. So you're using like a Petzl evac, like the ID evac or a Maestro that's already pre-rigged. And are you screwing those shut now? So uh yeah. end user cannot get into them yeah you are yeah we have um 
like for an industrial basic kit, we like to have two kits that are totally um, the same with Maestro's, two kits with IDEVAX, um, and two Griongs, like 15 or 20 meters, um, and then a bag with anchor equipment and some pulleys and some more carabiners. Uh, and so you are ready to go and can go um, vertical, you can make high lines, you can go offset, you can uh, have a deviation, whatever you want, everything in there, a good basket and ready to go. Hmm. Okay. And are the industrial teams picking that up uh, in Germany? Like, are they accepting of that system? Uh, it's starting right now. Um, there's one big chemical plant or uh, one one big company with three uh, chemical plants and they introduced the whole system and um, they even threw out another Nautilus system for this uh, Petzl-based system uh, we endorse. Um, it works and it's so simple and um, some rope rescuers and especially some old school people in Germany say, yeah, mm, then we don't need rescue teams. And we say, uh, no, because we, we make them more special um, and make the system more safe. It's as soon as the people work with that, they see the, the benefits. And especially for me as instructor, it's, um, it's a game changer, to be honest. Um, because I don't have to care about the system itself. I care about the anchor points, I care about the uh, edge transition, and I care about the, the plan in general. But as soon as they connect the, the device to uh, the rescue load, the system is safe. And that's, How versatile is it? Would it be possible to use a system, one of these knotless systems for a Grimp day, or is a Grimp day too complex for that type of system? Maybe it might come to a point where we go to Grim Day and rig a whole weekend without any nuts. <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> okay. Um, to back up a little bit, you had mentioned French-German systems. Uh, you mentioned the English systems. Are the English systems noticeably different than mainland Europe? Um, you notice one main difference. Um, the, the English teams or British teams use uh, a lot of ISC equipment, where on continental Europe uh, it's more Petzl-based okay. in general. There are a lot of other brands, but these are the main, the main differences. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit more complicated um, in my eyes to... Um, and to, to see a, a British system, it's not as efficient. Um, don't get me wrong, um, they solve their problems and it's, it's pretty amazing how they rig. Um, like, Talkingly, the Germans calling other things inefficient. <laughs> <laughs> we have the Radeberger Haken, which is uh, the, the most efficient, not uh, rescue device in the world. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Okay. Talk, um, go ahead. Maybe, maybe uh, talking a little bit about this Radeberger Haken. Um, maybe a lot of people don't know what it is. It's like a, um, it's like a figure of eight descender on steroids with um, 
with rigging hooks on on the sides to lock it off and have with like three hole rigging plate on the base and a single belay loop on the top um, a device where you can go with twin tension system um, and that started in like 1950 <laughs> i have actually two of these from 1956 very old um, and the old version is very lightweight the newer versions are a little bit heavier um, yeah versatile but um outdated so for the north american listeners think about a fisk with a hyper bar kind of on it like uh like your tactical eights with a little uh double bar off the side not that like single bar with the double horn like up and down with a anchor plate built into it you, you kind of get what this is and i can't pronounce yeah. this it's uh i've seen a few of them i've played with them over there but i certainly can't pronounce it <laughs> yeah that's the one yeah and you it's, so it's, the germans have been using good. twin tension rope systems with this like you say for 70 Forever. years yeah like almost forever you can go single rope you can double rope um whatever you want you can pass knots with that um pretty amazing device actually you can do a lot with that um yeah so, yeah so are there some fire departments in germany still using that mm, i would say more than 50 percent still have this in the cache okay and that's yeah. interesting because you talk about, you know, new school, old school. We would consider <laughs> fists or brake racks or, you know, those types of devices, which would be the closest I could think of over here to be old school now. You know, like go grab an MPD or a clutch or even an ID or, you know, a, a Sirius or a Maestro or something like that. So it's interesting that that's still so prevalent in Germany. Yeah, um, it is indeed. Um, now... Oh, and, and to, to add on that, um, the belay system with most German teams is still as a Munter or Italian hitch. Now, are you using a super Munter or a double Munter because of the weights, or are you still using single? Me personally, I don't use it. I don't <laughs> like. I don't like it, um, and it's recommended to have the super Munter for for. Um, rescue load but there are a lot of teams out there that say okay when the rope is straight um, there is no slack we can go single monitor and um, i'm really not happy with that i've seen a lot of uh, burnt hands there's a video kirk mothner did and i'm gonna date myself it's oh i'm betting it's 20 years old now and it has a Vancouver fireman that I know uh, trying to hang on to a munter on a belay competency drop test. So the, mm -hmm. you know, the factor 0.3 there and he cannot hold the load load hits the ground. Yep. So interesting. Um, now with the fire departments in Germany, does every fire department have a technical rescue team? Is it uh, just a tertiary duty for some larger fire departments? Is it a specialized team? What does that look like in Germany? Um, it's as diverse as uh, Germany itself is. Um, a lot of professional fire departments have rope rescue teams. Um, we have a lot of volunteer fire departments. Um, actually, we have 1.3 million volunteer firefighters in Germany. That's wow. impressive. 
uh, compared to 80 million uh, inhabitants here or inmates <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how many rope rescue teams are out there. Um, only a few of the professional fight departments have full-time rope rescues in, in, uh, in the shift. Like Hamburg, the city of Hamburg has uh, five rope rescues doing nothing else than ropes the whole day, which is cool. Um, but the majority of other departments have like a couple of rope rescues on duty. Um, others even call them from their free time um, and with the volunteer departments yeah that's uh, you hit the button uh, uh, the button and then let's see who appears and what's the the name what's the german name for the rope rescue teams there um also as diverse <laughs> <laughs> um, the the words for for a rope rescue team is Höhenrettung, which is hiring a rescue um, they also have some weird abbreviations. Um, some call it HERC, Höhenrettungsgruppe, um, like a group of rope rescuers. Um, yeah, so like it that. varies from region to region. Yeah, it is. Okay. Now, one thing I notice when I'm over in Europe is there is a lot of uh, bariatric rescue influence uh most of the teams that i've been to visit like you know your berlins and some of your bigger teams there have the larger stretchers they have different devices for dealing with bariatric patients or large patients for the listeners out there um i don't see that really in north america at all and i always assumed north america was more of an obese society than europe um, mm -hmm. how did that come about is that a relatively new thing dealing with bariatrics or has that been around for a long time it has been there for a couple of years um maybe it's it's the ergonomic approach to um don't waste our firefighters carrying big people down small staircases um yeah bariatric patients never live uh, downstairs um and that could yeah. be too. I mean, your elevators, if they exist, are much smaller than ours. I mean, you can't get a cot usually into your elevators and the stairwell. Yeah, it would be horrendous trying to get some of those patients down those stairwells. So kicking them out the windows seemed to be more the, the prevalent uh, rescue method over there. Uh, it's not only rescue. It's, it's uh, like a duty to bring them to, um, like to the doctor um, and it's also their duty to bring them back. So it's in and out. Oh, and see, okay, there's two things for the North American listeners here. Number one, you mentioned doctor. Now, I love this, the little Porsches and Mercedes that sit in your uh, stations that you're full-time. So explain that. There's a doctor on duty, yes? Yeah. So, yeah, for the listeners here, there's actually, they usually have very nice cars where you have a doctor on duty that'll go out to certain calls. Nice and fast cars. Nice and fast cars. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that's something else I didn't realize is, of course, you've got to put them back when they get out of the hospital. Yeah. Okay. It's their duty. I don't know where it's written down, but uh, that's the way. Now, are they using artificial high directionals to assist with this? Or how, what's the standard 
you know, uh, garden variety, get a person back into their house kind of thing here? Uh, some teams use uh, cranes. Okay. Um, City of Hamburg even has a container. Um, they use a door anchor to fix the container to the outside of the wall. Um, sometimes they even break down the, the wall under the window um, to, to push the whole bat in the room and out. Um, okay. Pretty cool system on the go um, with a ladder truck. Um, depends on, on the capacity. Um, there's no standard. You have to cope with the, the building structure and the team structure and, and the weight. Um, for example, with the aerial ladder, you can go up to like 250, maybe 300 kilograms. Some newer ladders can go to 500. Um, but you know, the people out there are from 180 to 600. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. You also mentioned at the beginning here about um, wind energy. Now, is yeah. that offshore wind energy or onshore wind energy? Wind energy? Um, both, actually. We train um, the people for rescue, um, for offshore energy and for onshore energy. Um, personally, I have not been offshore yet, but I'm ready. So <laughs> all the certificates uh, are in place. Um, no one booked a, a training out there yet. Yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of GWO stuff. Okay. Some of now, what's your say? You, when you say certificates, what do you require to go offshore in Europe? Uh, also depends on uh, the, the wind farm. Um, mainly it's the full GWO with working at heights, first aid, manual handling, fire awareness and sea survival. Um, if the helicopter is part of the, the plan and the UHAT training, helicopter underwater escape training, um, depending on the task, um, even more certificates like, like a robot SAS qualification or advanced rescue or uh, electrical stuff really depends on, on your task and the wind farm. That's pretty similar to North America then. It doesn't surprise me. Most of our offshore probably came from standards in Europe. So, um, and what kind of rescue training for wind energy, mostly coming out of the, uh, the turbine up top or what are you, what's your major look at from rescue point of view there? Um, like the, the old standard is just to have a ladder training and evacuation evacuation even switched from uh, leaving the automatic rescue device on top to go down and have the rescue device at reach okay. um, like active or passive descent um, this is like the the minimum you should have um, in advanced rescue we have basement rescue rescue from the, the um, hub from the blade adapter um, from the nacelle from the roof from a platform from the elevator so any direction okay interesting um just checking off the list of stuff we were chatting about here goes back and i'm just a bit of a, a backup uh safety officer grimp day obviously this year was cancelled um from a safety officer point of view though there was some planning what do you think it would have been very different this year with the safety officers um, or would it be similar to 2019? Um, 
interesting. We were uh, reduced. So last week, year we had uh, five guys walking around. But for this year, it was planned just you and me. <laughs> so two pair of eyes. Uh, it's we could not see that much with only two people. But um, as we were um, introduced last year, or um, they they seen that we are around. Um, that would make our job very easy because they accept us. Last year, there were some situations where uh, people said, who are you? Why are you complaining? Uh, and then we turned around and pointed at our vests and said, yeah, we are the safety officers. And uh, it's our job to, to point out things that are not okay, especially when the controllers did very unsafe things. Um, yeah, this year um, or maybe next year, um, this would be easier because they know us then, or they know our role. Right on. Um, rescue the Rescuer Europe. Uh, what does oh, yeah. that look like? Um, it was supposed to happen in, I guess, last week, but obviously with COVID and the lack of being able to travel anywhere in the world, it's been pushed off. When was it pushed off till? Um, it should have been this week, like 20 to 24th of July. And it's postponed to April. Sixteen. I'm just looking at the board behind me. Yeah, I have to check as well because it's it's half a year. So yeah. uh, twelve to sixteen. Yeah, located in Hamburg, um, in the 3M training facility, which is impressive. Um, yeah, quadruple of walls. <laughs> to be honest. Uh, they have a wind turbine mock-up in there. They have several platforms, ladders, confined space uh, area, and yeah, some some outside uh, venues. Um, can't promise which are going to to happen then, but um, Hamburg is an impressive city. Right on, and um, that's. Interesting. I mean, the rescue, the rescuer concept, we've floated it around and you've been part of those conversations and all of the, all of them have been postponed and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the fall in the United States. Heck, Germany might be the first one at this rate. Let's see. Absolutely. Um, now, when you do a lot of the training that you currently conduct in Germany, um, when you do advanced training, what sort of techniques or what sort of equipment are you training teams on when you say advanced training is it hd is it twin tension stuff is it just more problem solving like what is considered advanced training over there also depends on uh, what's the the focus group or the customer or the demand uh, for example in wind energy it's everything that is not ladder rescue and evacuation um there we use um, like automatic rescue devices with a hand wheel, like the Scalotec Milan or um, Rollglues R550 or Middleman Unidrive, which are impressive devices, at least uh, the last two. Um, we use Aztec or other um, pulley systems. Um, when we go advanced with like rope rescue teams or even um, with rope access technicians that want to go um, and, and uh, serve as standby rescue technicians. Um, we empower them to use AHDs. We do a lot with the Vortex, okay. um, 
we have a good connection with Rock Exotica Europe in Berlin uh, and do a lot of stuff with them. Um, Twin Tension is still new to German teams, even when they went Twin Tensions or Double Rope uh, with the Radeberger Haken. Um, and that's, that's very interesting to, to show them the benefits. Um, and then it's you know, a lot about the planning, about the decision path for team leaders, but also for team members to use the thing between their ears. Um, this is the biggest part of um, advanced training. Think about what you have to do, uh, come up with a plan and do it. Okay. You mentioned there some of the uh, rescue devices, the Milan, the Rogueless, the Middleman. Um, what is your experience? I mean, we over on this side of the pond see very little Middleman and uh, Milan, Skylotech Milan devices. They're starting to become more prevalent. The Rogueless R550 is the most prevalent over here generally. And I mean, to be honest, we've done training with it over a weekend with a client and had to send it back into service by Sunday uh, just for yeah. the amount of drops on it. And it wasn't a lot. You're talking maybe 30 drops and we were into servicing it. Um, what is your experience with those three devices? Um, I might check what my lawyer says. Um, <laughs> so the, the middleman... Unidrive comes in several options in terms of rope diameter. Um, we recommend to take the 10.5 millimeter, which is a Teufelberger platinum rope in there. Uh, it's, it's super solid and you almost can't destroy it. It's very robust and we like it. It's versatile. You have the option for power drill. Um, great device, hard to eat up. Um, but after a couple of meters or 100 meters, uh, yeah, they also um, need service. Um, the roadless is also quite robust. The rope gets dirty super fast. Um, but as soon as you, you swapped out the first rope, uh, we can't destroy them again. They look dirty, the ropes, but um, we had like one hand wheel some some rope clamps and what else yeah one of the the redirect horns broke um but but that's it they are very reliable um with a brand new device it's different yeah they are single use devices they're not made for training so um i totally understand your experience with that um brand new device sharp edges still on the rope chief um brand new rope um okay yeah need service new rope but then it should go and with the milan um it's a single use device um they made a pretty good job and in, in selling them uh, in terms of using them in training um it's it's a little bit difficult to use them um they eat up the rope very fast um and if you open them as certified dude for, for sure, um, you can see there is everything in one chamber. For these automatic devices, you need three chambers. You need the braking chamber, you need the gearbox, and you need the rope sheath. And uh, if you separate them, everything is fine because you have grease, you have dust, you have dirt, you have 
uh, rotate, rotating things. Um, and if you separate that, everything is fine. In the Milan, it's everything in one housing. And yeah, um, for everyone who's a little bit familiar with engineering, having dust and, and uh, dirt and uh, moisture in a breaking chamber, that's not good. Having grease in there is also not good. Um, so yeah, they need a lot of uh, love and service. Right on. Um, now you mentioned FISAT, which is the German Rope Access Organization. So uh, for the listeners on this side of the pond, think like an IRATA or a SPRAT kind of uh, device yeah. or three levels in FISAT. What other organizations uh, dictate rescue in Germany? Do you have a German NFPA? Do firefighters follow FISAT? Or like what's the, is there local health and safety regulations that dictate? What does that look like? Um, another great question. Um, and this is the way we, we start discussions with especially the industrial fire departments because they follow the fire department's guidelines, um, which are more regulation or um, recommendations. Um, we have a gremium or a committee called AGBF, which is uh, made of the, the chiefs of the professional fire departments, and they have um, another committee within this AGBF um, for education and training and one of the subcommittees of that is rob rescue um, it's a gem and they put out the the recommendations for uh, rob rescue teams and their competencies um this got uh, the, this piece of paper got revised last year um some minor changes um backup knots are not required anymore um and some other minor changes but yeah, still, still basic. Um, this is what is relevant for fire teams. For the work part of the world in Germany, um, it's the DGUV, which is the like the national um, occupational uh, accident insurance, and they are empowered by law. So we have to obey their uh, their regulations, and they have one guideline for um, working at heights and another one for rescue from heights but this is more the the worker side it's not team-based so with this industrial rescue stuff or modern rescue type of uh, rigging there is nothing at the moment okay now would they reference FISAT in that work at height regulation or is that separate again uh, that is separate um, FISAT is like a private organization. Um, it's, it's a trade organization like uh, IRATA, as you mentioned. Um, but FISAT worked with the DGUV um, to, to have like a national guideline for rope access. So um, it was forbidden to use ropes who worked a couple of years ago in Germany. And they made it legal to be suspended and do the job. Um, Two rope systems for sure, uh, self-breaking devices, a uh, couple of knots, independent assessment system, uh, stuff like that. Risk assessment for sure. And um, this got um, modeled into, into um, like a, a public guideline from, I don't know which authority or how to, to 
um, translated, but it's one of the, the you would say, a, uh, AHJ. Yeah, authority has uh, jurisdiction, okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right. Um, I've got just a couple of quick questions for you now. What's your favorite harness? Uh, depends on what's the task. I I love the Edelit Core harness. Um, okay. I go even without the padding because I think it's it's ergonomic, it's versatile. I have the sliding D on there. Um, I have a turbo chest ascender on there from Camp, which is amazing. Um, so I love that harness, lightweight, versatile. Um, for Robix's work, I go with the Petzl Astro. Um, but it's wetting between the legs. On the other hand, it's uh, comfortable as a living room. Um, for working at height stuff, I love the Edelried series um, again. And I have a self-soon harness, a prototype I made at Courant in Angers, uh, like the micro-tactical stuff. Yeah. Great, on. Um, control descent device, what's your preference? Mm, I love the lorry. Okay. Yeah, Just explain lorry. The, the folks. I mean, I know I've seen them from all the Europeans we employ. They all bring lorries with them. Just explain for our listener what it is. Um, Who makes yeah, it? It's interesting again. Anthron made them. Uh, Anthron uh, made them together with Bornack, another German manufacturer. Uh, Bornack makes back some in these days. <laughs> Yeah, and um, then occasionally Skylotech bought Anthron, and uh, there happened something, and now there's the Sirius from Skylotech, which is the the next generation of that. It's kind of like the Lorry on steroids a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, carabiner, what's your preference for a carabiner? Oh, gosh, I'm still searching. Um, <laughs> I love ovals. Um, I like the Petzl okay carabiners for their price and their shape. They are great, but all the people have them. So when I buy 10, uh, next day I have seven, and you know how, how that goes. Uh, I also love the um, Rock Exotica binders, but when you mix the, the Rock Exotica uh, <laughs> sleeve with the Petzl sleeve, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's annoying. But Rocky Exotica came up with the upper lock, which is yeah, great. They didn't appear here in Germany, but I pre-ordered a couple. <laughs> and um, I also um, want to equip my personal harness with the Rocky Exotica manual lock carabiners, which are, um, if you mix them up with auto locks, um, forget it. <laughs> That's shit, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but if you understand them as uh, very fast screw lock carabiners, they are amazing. Okay. And then last but not least, um, backup device. ASAP. ASAP lock. <laughs> That's pretty much world-renowned, that particular yeah. device. So, right on. Is there anything else you want to add? Um, well, thank you for having me in here. I'm looking forward to see you. Um, I have to fly over to... Canada one day. I visited uh, BC last year. BC is not so small, as I learned. Um, 
I was on the other side of, of your region um, in, in Invermere with Kirk Morthner uh, yeah. in Kootenay Mountains using Kootenay pulleys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking forward to that. Thank you. Yeah, well, that's where I was joking the other day on my Instagram where <laughs> I was driving down here in the vehicle after four hours. The German vehicle is telling me I should take a break and I haven't even made <laughs> it to work yet. <laughs> Just around the corner, right? <laughs> Just around the corner. So, but thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark.